Welcome to the Ice Cream Sunday podcast. My name is Amy Fru, and I am here with my soon-to-be, actually, husband, Austin Buckner. Um, in this episode, we are talking about um, all of the itty-bitty little moments throughout our lives that led us to this point together, um, where we are now in wedded bliss for a whole, like, 12 hours. Not even two hours. Six hours? Somewhere around there? Whatever works. Um, and we also talked about what we're looking forward to in our marriage going forward. Um, how we can be better partners to each other in the future. What we've been through in the past. All that kind of lovey-dovey drama stuff that I know you guys all love to hear. And so based on that, let us sit back, relax, and enjoy the wedding episode of the Ice Cream Sunday Podcast. thinking about the the butterfly effect and like how many different things had to go just perfect for like us to meet and so I was I've been thinking about like it all kind of starts with um like your mother and as much as I hate giving your mother credit (laughs) um it it really started like I, I don't think if she had studied pharmacy at Drake, I don't think you would have studied pharmacy at Drake. Mm, almost certainly not. You probably would have went to like Illinois or I don't know Northwestern or Creighton. Creighton, sure. Um, is that is that the reason that you ended up going to Drake? Is is just because you had a family member that went to Drake? Like for example, like I went to Northwest Missouri State, and it's only because like my uncle and my grandfather both went to Northwest. So, yes, absolutely. Because um, my original plan was, well, I won't say original plan. When I was five, I wanted to be a pharmacist because my mommy was a pharmacist. But as I became a teenager, I was like dead set against it. Like, I'm not doing what you want me to do. I'm not going to be like you. Just the whole teenage rebellion thing. Until I realized that being a pharmacist would provide me with both the level of education that I wanted and the work-life balance that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so once I had that figured out, then I'm like, oh, crap, I actually do want to be a pharmacist. I had to actually go look at schools that did pharmacy. See, but this is what I'm talking about, though, is that I feel like when I I, I give you all the the credit in the world for like having your shit together at a very young age because like work-life balance and level of education that you want like these are not things that i i thought about i when i was trying to figure out what college i went to it was my grandfather saying i went to northwest i had a i had a great experience and my uncle saying i went to northwest i had a great experience and i'm like i don't even know what the fuck i want to do i don't know what i want to be i don't know what job i want to have and like i feel like you chose pharmacy because you're like it is going to afford me the kind of lifestyle that i want to live the kind of lifestyle that i'm accustomed to in Rockford, um, those creature comforts, like those things that I'm, I'm used to. And like, I need that level of income. Those conversations 
I never had with my my parents. Those conversations, like college professors, never had with me. Um, they made it very clear before I graduated that like the major that I chose is dying, um, but they never talked about like the money part of it. I think maybe they were just like, "Hey, you chose journalism. You should have the, you should know better than anyone. You're not going to make any fucking money." but like that's one of the things that i i loved about you the most is it was like it it seemed like you knew all along like this is what i'm going to do and here are here's the bullet point list of the reasons why i want to do this and like above and beyond anyone i've ever met it felt like you had this outline for what you wanted your life to be very very young well, I mean, Steve and Sherry are very practical people. Um, they told me from the beginning that I was spoiled and that I needed to find something that made you six figures. Um, and also anytime I had an idea of what I thought I wanted to be and I told them about it, we like sat down and talked about like, what's that going to look like in real life? Your, obviously your professional life, like you're, you have all your shit together. Like, you know what you want. Is your personal life the the same way? Like, is your your romantic life at a young age like this is do you have this idea like you do with pharmacy and like with your future career when you get older do you have like a mindset for your your love life like this is the kind of guy I want this is what I want him to look like this is what I want him to sound like I want him to be this tall I want him to have this job like do you have that all mapped out as well that's hilarious because um I'm not really a big believer in astrology, but um, I'm a Libra, which means I'm indecisive as hell. And um, it doesn't take much to be like, hi, you're cute. And have like 20 different crushes going on at once. And so for a long time until like I had a reason to be committed to someone because they were committed to me, I just let myself go with that. Be like, oh, you're cute. I could consider you. So you jumping forward, you you get to... Des Moines, mm-hmm. you're in school. How do you meet Nate? Nate is the person, for those that don't know, Nate is the person that I knew that I worked with at Wells Fargo years before I met Amy. How do you meet him? Because he, as much as I dislike the guy now, he does play an integral part in our relationship, whether we like to admit it or not. I mean, at this point, we really don't. Gross. Um, but I... In my sophomore year of college, or no, it would have been my second year of pharmacy school, so my fourth year out of six at school, mm-hmm. um, I started working at Hy-Vee Central Fill, which is the pharmacy where they fill all of their medications that are like refills that then go out to the stores to get distributed. It's supposed. It was originally intended to like give pharmacists more time to interact with patients, mm-hmm. though that's debatable. But anyway, so, um, literally all of Nathan's high school best friends worked at Central Phil with me as a technician. Oh, okay. And so then one night right after he had moved to Des Moines, um, and I was just getting to know that friend group, they invited me out to Miss Kitty's. Gross. And, um, he was there. And so my buddy Casey, she's like, girl, he is very, very into you as I'm sure you can tell, but like, be careful with this one. 
Oh, so you knew right away that this was going to end poorly. I mean, here's the thing, though, is that I'm a bit narcissistic, (laughs) for lack of a better term. Um, Go on that. Explain. I don't think you're narcissistic at all. So explain what you mean by that. Um, so what I mean by that is, um, at least I've seen it expressed this way on the interwebs is I think I'm awesome. So I can completely understand why, um, someone would fall in love with me in 30 minutes. Like, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I did. So I I get it. (laughs) Okay. So you're warned about this guy. You don't listen to these warnings. Go on. Go on. So, um, at the time I was trying really hard to run away from a very toxic on again, off again relationship. And I'm like, ah, yes, this is going to be the thing that saves me from that. I'm going to move on into this relationship. I know it was a terrible idea. Um, but I'm like, wow, he really likes me. He cares about me. This is going to be great. Um, so then fast forward like three weeks later he asked me to officially be his girlfriend and i'm like homie i'm not ready for this and so then he just completely writes me off and is like okay i just want to be friends and then you know as that goes he says oh i just want to be friends and then goes and dates another girl that doesn't work and then goes hey you want to come hang out you know horizontally Mm -hmm. yeah i think um and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he, I think maybe he has a little bit of that narcissism that you say you have as well. That's like, I think so highly of myself that people should fall in love with me immediately. So then when I, when I put three whole weeks of work into this and she doesn't want to be my official girlfriend right away, well then I'm just going to write her off. Cause like, I, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you love me right away? And I think I had a little bit of that as well, um, where it was like, oh, if I have to put work into this, like, I don't, I don't want that. And like young Austin was very much like that. And I think if I'm being totally honest with myself, like 30 year old Austin was very much like that as well, or or late 29 Austin was very much like that as well. It was like, and it it all worked out for for the better and we're skipping ahead here, but like, oh, you want me to like work on myself? Like... I don't know. That sounds hard. Like, why don't you just love me for who I am? But we'll get into that later. So, all right. So you meet him. Things, there's a, there's a fling. Do you guys have like a, do you keep in contact or how do you end up hanging out with him July of 2018? So Specifically July 7th, 2018. Ooh, 7-7. Seven, seven. Sevens are lucky. So, um, we did keep in contact, um, just because, you know, like I was still hanging out with these girls, these other pharmacy technicians. Mm-hmm. And so he was at all the parties that I went to, um, even when my boyfriend in between him and you was in the picture, like we went to those parties together and he was there and I still like sent him PG Snapchats back and forth and he would be like, I need to use you for emotional labor. It didn't sound like that, but if we interpreted it that, it's I need your emotional labor because nobody loves me, and so I'm going to get my need for attention from you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and I fell for it every time. 
like it's not an excuse and it never would be an excuse really um but i was hella depressed oh like, for sure I, yeah so so depressed like that's the reason why i ended up getting stella is because i was just so depressed and i think that you know i was also super miserable in the relationship that i was in at the time and i had tried to be like we're on a break as instead of like we're breaking up i was like we're on a break but that didn't register with no. him and and i'm like i said not judging because i was in a very similar situation like i go and i i have this incredible conversation of course it's over loud country music and loud edm music but like a conversation with you nonetheless where i'm like she's super intelligent and like goal oriented and has her shit together and like everything that i would be looking for in a relationship and then i leave and i go to back to the girl that i'm because i'm in a relationship at that time and like i'm very flirty with you clearly and i'm like <laughs> yeah calm down and i'm like it was real strong i was like oh um but i'm i in my defense it was it, like ever clear it, strong babe yeah <laughs> in my defense though it wasn't like hey i'm flirting because i want to get in your pants it was i'm flirting because I, I really do genuinely like like you a lot and it wasn't like hey like when i said like hey you could do better than like this fuckhead that we're watching fail miserably with every girl or you could do better with the guy that you are you're dating um because you talk about him like he is not on the same level as you as far as goal oriented and having his shit together and wanting to excel at life in a way that you are. Um, so the first night I met you and I'm like, Hey, you could do better. I meant that. I meant that you should be with me cause hi, I'm better. But like, I needed you I, to actually be better. I truly meant like, I think you could do better. So like, yes, I was flirting, but I was also very honest about my flirting. Um, but I, like I said, not judging because I did the exact same thing. I leave the bar. Um, and then the very next day I go right back to my, like my people that I don't think are like on my level either. As shitty as that is to say about someone that I was dating at that time, like I had just gotten out of, we'll even go back further. So I moved to Des Moines in 2014. I'm engaged to be married. That doesn't work out. Um, I have no trust in romantic relationships at all. Um, so I'm like, I'm just going to rifle through like shitty relationships and they're going to be strictly physical because I do not have the capacity for an emotional relationship because the last one literally almost killed me. Like the first time I ever attempted suicide was the aftermath of that relationship where it was like, everything's perfect. We've literally never had a fight. We barely had even like a, like an argument. Like everything is perfect. And then you come to find out that like the reason that everything is perfect is because she refuses to like. Voice uh, any of her real feelings. Yeah. Correct. And and like there's it, there's an abortion involved that happens in like June. I don't find out until November. And then I just I decide I can't I can't deal with that anymore. And I just leave. So 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 broken by that relationship that like I can't even break up with her in person that I moved to Des Moines told her that I was looking for better opportunities for both of us um and then as soon as I got in Des Moines sent a Facebook message because I'm such a pussy <laughs> and was like this is not working out I don't trust you um like 
you, if everything that you wrote in this journal, quick story. So she was gone for the weekend. I was cleaning up. Um, there was a box that had like my old, uh, podcast mixer in it. Um, and there was a, a diary that she had stuffed in that box. So it's a diary of hers, but she stuffed it in a box of my stuff, which in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's planted there. Like you wanted me to find this. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the way that I interpret it. Um, and it basically is like every, like Austin is applying for a new job. I don't believe in him. Like he's a failure. And then it's like, Austin got a new job, but like it won't last. And it's like, it, it's kind of funny in hindsight because looking back, it's like, he's a fucking failure. Well, he proved me wrong. And then like, it's just this like retelling of all of these successes that I had, but it's like, it won't last. And it's like, well, fuck it lasted. Um, but then it's basically just like all of the, the shit that she thinks about me. And it's like, we never had an argument and it's because you write it down in this, this little journal. And I guess that's, to her credit, she probably thinks that's the healthy way to deal with things, which is like, I'm not going to bring it up to him because like, I don't want to start an argument and I'm just going to write it in this book and then we're never going to address it and everything's going to be like hunky dory. Um, but like, that's not healthy in the long run because when you're with someone for four years and then they find this diary of that you don't think that they're of every terrible thought you've ever had yeah. about them. Yeah. Um, and then you read it all at once. It's kind of shitty. So I come to Des Moines. I am. I just got out of that relationship. I have no. I mean, I am. I have no self esteem. So I'm like, I'm not going to get into a relationship. I'm. It's going to be strictly physical. I am just going to run through as many women as possible. Um, and I did until I got one pregnant. And then I have two kids, and I get married, and uh, that doesn't work out because. I met her at a terrible time in my life when I was in a very, very dark place and I kept that dark place or I stayed in that dark place all through our um, marriage and uh, we just weren't weren't great for each other. And then um, she moves back to Des Moines with the kids and I move back and I chase her and then um, that doesn't work out very quickly. And then I just start start the same process that I was in in 2015, which was like, I am just going to get with any girl who wants it. And one of them happened to be the girl I was dating when I met you. And it just, it wasn't good. Like right away, I knew that she was on cocaine, like was in the process of losing her kids, um, was cheating on me with her drug dealer. Um, just a lot of shit. And so like, I know all this is happening and then I meet someone like you that's like, hey, I I really like the vibes that I'm getting off of this person. Like like I said, goal-oriented, like has a fucking vision for your future that is not fucking go out and party every night, which is ironic that we meet on fucking Court Avenue and <laughs> her, our first time hanging out is like a big fucking party. But like that's not your entire personality. It's like, yeah, you can let loose every once in a while, but like, that's not fancy date night Friday. Correct. Drake, <laughs> Drake date night, yeah. Drake lyric date night. Um, but it was, it was, that's what I liked about you. It was, it was like, Oh, I could have these like serious conversations with this person. And it's not all about, you know, like, hey, do you want to do drugs or do you want to fuck off uh, on responsibilities? Do you want to call in to work and fuck off? Like, you're very, you were, 
you were more grown up than a lot of the people that I was surrounding myself with at the time. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Just like, just like you, like you fall back into the same traps of like shitty people that aren't good for the, the future that you have envisioned for yourself. I I think we're both very susceptible to love bombing too. Oh fuck. I love bomb you all day, all day. I think it's a little bit different when it's not like entrapment and you just actually love me. There's that. There's also that. So getting past that. Okay. So you put Nate in the rear mirror, rear view mirror. Right. And you really helped with that because that was like that four hour conversation was the beginning of the end for me realizing what a truly shitty person he is in every possible way. Okay. Again, not judging you, not judging you. His friends warned you about him. And then I guess, I guess you could consider me a friend too. What was it? What was different about like what I said versus the girls that were like pharmacy technicians that you hung out with? It was like, Hey, be careful with this guy. I mean, I think, was it just the fact that I talk shit louder? (laughs) Well, here's the thing is that you were already on your way to hating him. Whereas like those girls, like that is like their little brother. And so like, they're always going to bring back out like, Oh, his redeeming qualities. That's fair. I understand. I think that I, I, it's hard for me to say like, Hey, that was my friend. Um, it was, it was a guy that I, I worked with at Wells Fargo and, and Lauren and I have talked about this recently that like very serendipitous us, us meeting at all, because I think I've made it abundantly clear, even on this podcast where I talk about how much I want to like bomb court Avenue and just start over. Um, I hate court Avenue. I hate that environment. I hate nightclubs. I hate like the awkward, like rapey vibes and sexual tension. That Especially is, that is whatever to that. happens to be on the second floor of that building that houses like legends and then yep. whatever like creepy is, rapey bar and then it's always, beer cans on top. It's no matter what goes in there. Always that second floor bar. It is yeah. a fucking nightmare. We just talked about that. I can't think what it's called right now, but... Um, we literally just talked about this, but yeah, that bar, no matter what's in there, it's always a fucking Cause like mess. every few years they get shut down for letting in underage drinkers and yep. then something else opens in yep. its place and it's the exact same thing. Yep. But I hate core Avenue, but that night I was, I was still doing the professional wrestling thing at the time. There's no show. I was not booked that weekend, which at that time, summer of 2018 was pretty rare. I was on shows almost every weekend or I was traveling with someone that was on a show. So like I was gone most weekends. That weekend I happened to be in the city and the girl I was dating at the time was also gone doing who fucking knows what, but I had nothing else to do. And then Nate's like, let's hang out. And I'm like, whatever, fuck it. You know, I have nothing else to do. (laughs) I'm depressed. Let's get out of the house so I don't murder myself. Um, so like had all of those stars not aligned, going back to the butterfly effect, had all of those stars not aligned, had I been booked in fucking Minnesota, I never would have met you. Had I had a show, you know, anywhere, I never would have met you. Had Tessa been in town, I would have been hanging out with her. Like all of these things had to go right 
for us to end up in that same rickety ass fucking car that night. Um, but then we meet, we talk, and then I immediately go back to like this horrible thing that doesn't work out. Her and I break up like the first week of August. So it's literally like a month after I, I meet you. Um, we sort of stay in contact. I think I befriended you on Facebook, but it wasn't like a, it was just like, you're a Facebook friend. It wasn't like a, you know. uh, well, I mean, you did add me on Facebook. That part is true. Um, but you were up my ass for like two or three weeks. And finally I just stopped answering you because I'm like, homie. <laughs> well, you know, and um, then, uh, you also posted about wrestling like 12 times a day. Hey man. We all have our things that we love. That's the thing that I find interesting about you is like you pop in on Facebook and post something like literally once a month. Yeah. It's very rare. Um, yeah. I mean, I just feel like there's very little that's worth sharing with all like 600 of them. But now like all of my pro wrestling posts, like I don't post about wrestling anymore. I post about the podcast like four times a day. And I'm sure everyone's like, we fucking get it you talk and you release it once a week. You don't need to reshare the fucking link tree. We all know where to find it. We don't listen to it because we hate you. Wow. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I just, okay. So I had it wrong, but that didn't last for very long. And then you stopped, we stopped talking. The point I'm trying to make here is that we were Facebook friends, but we didn't really talk for several months, for yes. several months. Okay. And, and then you stopped responding so i just thought that like you hated me um because you're dramatic also that but i literally thought you had like no interest in me at all whatever so i was just very uncomfortable with how much you liked me for how little time we had spent together we don't talk for months i actually end up dating this other girl that was even worse for me um you're still in a relationship so I date someone else. I was like, I can't be alone. So I let him back in. Oh, I mean, yeah, I do that all the time. So finally, I I break up with Esmeralda in the early part of December or like mid-December, early part of December. And it was literally like right after I had started therapy. I had on my own to my credit, decided that like I am in a really, really bad place and I have been for a really, really long time. And I decided that like I'm going to try to get better. And after that first session, as shitty as this sounds, like the anxiety that I got living with Esmeralda was like, 90% of my issues. It was like, there's, there's always drugs in the house. There's, um, there's, oh, there's always, there's always partying. Like I'm a, I'm a big proponent of like keeping, keeping aspects of your life separate. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not going to bring work home with me. But I'm also not going to bring like party home with me. Like those are separate things. Right. And like it was, there was just like drugs and alcohol and partying in our apartment like every night. And I was just like, it's causing so much stress because like 
as much as I want to be like the fun guy and I want everyone to love me, like that's not who I am at all. I mean, it is on your terms and this wasn't on your terms. But even then, like if we go out to like, like drinking, I am so hyper-focused on just like my table, like my little circle of people. And usually it's just you and me. Like I'm really fucking weird around people. So I'll give you an example. When we went to Kansas City, and we were in that um, distillery. Yeah. It was me and you, and I was so hyper-focused on you. And then, like, there were these really rapey vibe kind of guys right? next to us. Like, they had... I hate people. We were both getting so mad. <laughs> but, like, I don't... That's my thing. Like, even if I'm out in a public setting, like, I just, I just want it to be, like, my little group of people. Is that why we love the Republic so much? Because it's just so chill and everyone has their own kind of like little pod. Yeah. Yes. And it's quiet. Like I'm not like a nightclub guy. And so when like a nightclub vibes get brought into like my my living situation mm-hmm. where like I go to like, I don't have anywhere. I didn't have anywhere to like relax. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anywhere to like chill the fuck out. Because when I come home from work and like I was working, yes, it's a call center. And everyone's gonna make fun of me for saying this, but like. When you're you dealing work, with angry people all the time. When you work at a call center, you're working you're dealing with angry people and in like there's no downtime. Like you get off you get off the phone, you write your notes for that call, and then you're right back on a phone call. So when they say that you're working an 8-hour day, you are working every minute of those 8 hours. So I will I will never talk shit about anyone who works in a in a call center because I've done it and it's very very difficult. Um Shout out to Lauren. It fucking sucks, dude. It sucks. But so I was working in a call center. So I would come home and like, I would just be stressed all day. And it's like, you can't get up to go to the bathroom. Like it's, you have these set break times. You have a set lunch time. Like you are every minute of your day is accounted for. So like, it's a very high stress job. And then I come home and like, there's just even more stress. There's more people and it's always people that I don't know. And it's always people either coming to like buy drugs or do drugs or just be loud. And like, I can't, I never have an opportunity to settle the fuck down. So I decided that I'm going to get into therapy because of that. And like right away it's determined with my therapist that like the living situation that I'm in right now is not good for me. And so we break up. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm living with my ex-wife, not romantic at all. It's just like, hey, you can see the kids. And and that calmed me down a lot to be able to see, like, my children. Um, but I'm single. And out of fucking nowhere, this really attractive, dark-haired, just gorgeous human follows me on Instagram and I don't have attractive people follow me on Instagram. I'm not that interesting. So right away I'm like, you're, you have to be a bot. You have to be a fucking robot. <laughs> Lauren's a bot. So I, I message her and I'm like, do I know you? Are you real? Like, how do, how do I know you? And she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm Lauren. I'm Amy's like childhood friend. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I don't think she likes me. I'm pretty sure she does not like me. I haven't talked to her in months. And she she basically was like, I 
I think you'd be surprised. And like sends me these screenshots of the night that you and I met months ago in July. The night that we like through serendipity happened to end up in the same place um, where we talked mad shit about a mutual acquaintance of ours. Um, and I pretty much fell in love with you like in 10 seconds. And uh, so she sent me, sends me the screenshot that was basically like you talking to her about me. So what are your, I know what you wrote. What are your feelings about me the night that we met? Other than he came on way too strong. We all know. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is that I also thought that we had really good conversation and like it was really flow and easy and it wasn't just because I was drunk. And so I was like, if he could like tone it down like two notches on how very clearly in love with me he is, like we could be really good friends. Um, And then I was like, he's cute, but there's something missing. And it turns out what you were missing was hair. Bingo, bango, bongo. And clothes that weren't from Rue 21. You know, that's fair. That's fair. I feel like for what it was, I looked very good in Rue 21 clothes. All right. Yeah. Okay. But but your game has been stepped up. It has been stepped up. Yeah. Mostly because Sugar Mama paid for all my clothes. Um, so she sends me, she sends me these screenshots and she was like, no, I think Amy also found you attractive and like enjoyed talking to you. Um, and then of course I forget everything I know about being like low self-esteem and I get this fucking emotional high again. And I'm like, let's go for it. And so <laughs> I fucking message you out of the blue. Um, probably coming on way too strong again. Um, you, you, you snuck it a little bit more. You waited like two whole days, maybe three to ramp it up to full volume. How did that conversation? I don't forgive me. I don't remember like that process of messaging you in like December of 2018. What do those messages look like? And why did you decide, decide to respond when we hadn't talked in months? Um, so I had been kind of like following the storyline on the side because um, as you are aware, um, I'm here for the drama when it's not my drama. Same. So I, I was kind of following your relationship highs and lows. Um, because I overshare on Facebook? Yeah. 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 Um, and so I was also curious as to why you were coming out of the woodwork after six months because I didn't know Lauren to talk to you. So I was like, hmm, what's this about? You and Lauren talk about everything. She didn't happen to bring this up to you, this conversation that we had on Instagram? Uh, I don't think so, no. I could be wrong. She's going to... She's going to prove both of us wrong because she keeps all the receipts. She keeps all the receipts. So what are those? Why do you decide to respond after not responding previously? Uh, because I did still believe in the fact that I wanted to talk to you some more because I had a really good conversation with you before. And I was even more depressed than I had been six months before that. And even more sick of my boyfriend at the time shit. Like he would walk into my apartment and 10 minutes later, I wanted him to leave. I didn't make him leave because I understood that the problem was me and not him. But 
Like, I knew I needed to break up with him. I just hadn't done it yet. Um, because I had already bought all of the Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we once you broke up with him, and we started hanging out in a more than platonic way. You had the what I'm going to call bravery because I I find it very difficult to have serious conversations about mental health with like or I did at the time with even like my closest friends, let alone like a romantic partner. I had some things that I needed to work on before you and I could be official. I needed to get to a level that you wanted me to be at that I certainly was not at. What what goes through your mind when you're like, we have to have this conversation that like you need to continue therapy and you need to get on medication and you need to get your shit together before we can be together. Like to me, I, I don't have the... <laughs> I don't have what call it, call it the balls, the guts, the fucking intestinal fortitude, the chutzpah um, to have those serious conversations with people. Or at least, like I said, I probably do now because I've, you know, I've been through therapy. I've been through, um, you know, medication. um, And now I have a fucking podcast where we talk about it every week. Um, But at the time, like I wouldn't have, how did you muster up that courage or or what did it take for you to have those conversations with someone that you, let me ask you this before things got better, before I got on your level, were you like, this is a guy I could date or I'm, or I'm doing this because he's my friend and I want him to get better. Or are you doing it because it's like, I want him to get better because I see a relationship with him. Um, or a little column, a column B. Little calm, a little calm, B. You know me. A little bit of both. A little bit of everything all the time. Um, Bo Burnham reference. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, because it's like, I genuinely cared about you. And I knew that, like, you were being very open and honest with me about how miserable you were and about previous times that you tried to you know, unalive yourself, as the kids say. Um, And so, like, I have, like, I would say all of my closest friends have had deep, deep struggles with depression at some point or another, and we've all had to talk through that. Like, every single person that's going to be standing on my side of the stage, we've had a really deep conversation about mental health before and about being in those dark places. So... Like somebody that I care about, obviously just as much, if not more, like I'm going to have that same conversation. Cause like I need take that Christina, maybe more, maybe more. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so, um, but I knew that I couldn't have a healthy relationship with you when you didn't have a healthy relationship with yourself because otherwise any perceived threat that you saw from me in the way that I was acting, you would jump on like I was going to try and hurt you because you'd been hurt. Yeah. And so like, that's something that you could only work on yourself. 
And especially when you ended up in the emergency department and they're like, homie, you need to be on medication. I'm like, yes, you absolutely do. The thing is, though, is that I tell people that story and then like none of nobody thinks it's like as serious as it was because I wasn't like actively trying to kill myself at that time. It was, hey, I I recognize that I'm in a headspace that I was previously before I attempted suicide. Um, a number of, I mean, there was, there's probably, I don't know the exact number, but I can think of two or two times that I've tried to kill myself. And I had those similar feelings, similar thoughts before that. So like, I'm not like, I'm going to fucking kill myself today if I don't go to the hospital. But it was, I'm feeling a way that I felt before I tried to kill myself before. And like, I would like to prevent this. And so (laughs) that was the, I, when you go to an emergency department for mental health, um, obviously they, they, they look at you like, and they ask you these questions like, like, do you feel like you're going to kill yourself? And you're like, no, not no, but like, I'd like to prevent that. So they're looking at me because they've seen the absolute worst case scenarios and I'm sure they see it frequently. So then they look at little old me that's like all smiley and like, no, I'm, I'm good right now, but I might not be good later. That's why I'm here. Um, and so, yeah, that day I, I started, um, fluoxetine or Prozac for the uninitiated. Um, and like it fucking completely changed everything. That was January, January of 2018. It was either January or February. It was January. Actually, I remember that because I was still living with my ex wife. Right. And then I got in my car accident like the third week of that month. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. So I remember it was the Friday before the Super Bowl um, is when I started medication. That was the day that I went. And then the day of, no, no, I, yes. Okay. Your, it was, it was February. Because you had your car accident and that was the, that was like the last big fight that Kaylee and I had because even though it was a very platonic, you're here so we can co-parent, there was still like the, you're mine, you are mine. You're not dating anyone else. Like we're focused on the kids. I'm not going to date. You're not going to date. And then of course she finds out that I'm like talking to someone and it causes these rifts in our, our friendship, whatever. So you call me, you got in what I would consider a pretty serious car accident. My car was totaled. Yeah. I was driving highway speeds. So I get this call. Then of course I'm freaking out because you were in a car accident. Um, I am deaf or pretty close I have hearing issues. I don't, I don't think that's a surprise to most people that know me. So my phone is always very loud. Um, Kaylee hears that I'm talking to a woman and I'm very concerned about said woman. Um, so that causes this giant argument, right? Um, 
this is probably the third week of January that you have your accident? I think so, because I remember that I went to Willis and this guy was super pushy that um, I get my car in before the end of the month so that he can That's get his right. bonus because yep. um, I wanted to pick it up on not the coldest day of the year. Was this Chris Wilson? Yes. <sighs> Christopher. Um, but then I, yes, yeah, so that happened before that. And then the Super Bowl is always like the first Sunday of February. Right. And I remember it was the Friday before the Super Bowl that I called into work and said, hey, I, I'm not feeling well. Um, and that's the day that I went to the emergency department and then they, they had therapists um, talk to me and I got prescribed medication and that's when that whole process started. It was the Friday before the Super Bowl. The day of the Super Bowl, we're all sitting down. We're all watching like the pregame stuff. Um, Kaylee's like a huge football fan. I'm not hanging out with the boys, the my boys. boys, my sons, and we have this argument about what happened on Friday. And she was like, "Well, you've always had issues like the whole time we were married, and like did nothing about it." And to her credit. She's right. I didn't do a fucking thing about it. And it caused a lot of issues. And had I been in, in therapy and on medication, we probably wouldn't have had as many problems as we did. To her credit, all of that is true. So she's like, why is it that when you and I are together, you don't fucking try to, try to better yourself, but you start talking to this fucking girl. This and, fucking white girl. <laughs> oh, she hated that about you. Um, so why is it that when you you're talking to this this white girl and she tells you that you need to fucking better yourself and she tells you that you need to go get on medication and she tells you that you need to start therapy why is it that you're listening to her but you never listen to me and again to her credit I can't answer that question um because I probably should have when we were married and we might still be married had I done that. But I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in right now, True. getting married to someone else. I wouldn't have fallen on my face a thousand times um, and fucked up. And that's the butterfly effect that we we always talk about. Had I not, had I not, it goes back way further than than Carrie. But like, had I not found that journal that was like, you're a fucking failure, I never would have moved to Des Moines. And I moved to Des Moines because I had a friend, Melanie Matsey, who was like, hey, I know things are tough for you. I have... Oh, yeah, a, behind the high V. Yeah. She's like, I have a couch you can sleep on. And I'm like, it's better than where I'm at right now. Shout um, out to Trevor, also with the couch you could sleep on. Yeah. I couch surfed a lot. I, between 2014 and 2019, um, those five years, I was homeless a lot. Um, but had I not found that journal, I wouldn't have moved to Des Moines. And had Millennium Matsy not had a, a couch for me to sleep on, I would have, I, I don't know where I would have went to, but I ended up in Des Moines. And had I not ended up in Des Moines, I wouldn't have applied for a job at Wells Fargo. And had I not worked at Wells Fargo, I wouldn't have met 
Nate. And had I not met Nate, I wouldn't have been invited out that night. And had I not been invited out that night, I wouldn't have met you. And had I not met you that night and all of these things that happen together that lead us to sitting at our kitchen counter, having a conversation 11 days before we get married. Like it's just, it's so crazy to think about, but so that day, that that Super Bowl Sunday, I get kicked out and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I still have the message, I still have the messages from Trevor. Um where I'm just I'm complaining about all of this. And I don't even I don't even think that I like asked him for a place to stay. I just remember like he he sent me this message. I mean, like, he probably said it in like, You're such a fucking idiot, just come stay over here. Yeah. It was basically like, nah, I got you, man. Like it's not even a big not even a big deal. And then the most uncomfortable futon though yeah and so i stay with him and i stay on his fucking futon and then we move into another apartment and i'm there until i get custody of my kids back and then i get my own place in west des moines and do that for a year and then things get uh better with this fucking white devil of a lady and then we decide that we're gonna move in together and uh and buy a house together we got the super dope house super dope house love this house um when march of uh march of 2019 so we had we had had that conversation both of us are single finally both of us are actually single and I'm like, let's fucking do it. I mean, and then you were like, you got to get your shit together. And then in in March of 2019, we make it uh, Facebook official. And uh, as we all know, relationships don't exist unless it's Facebook official. What was it that you saw? As Emma would call it, a hard launch. A hard launch. What was it? Um, what what? did you see in March that you weren't seeing in like December when we started talking or January when I, when I got kicked out of my, like what was it at the time when you were like, yes, I also love you. Cause that's basically what it was. It was like, I would always say like, I love you. And then I get no response. And then March 20th, of 2019 i get an i love you back i freak out about it and then we decide that we're gonna make a facebook official what was it then that you were like this this man has improved what were the what were the measurables or what were the things that you saw that you're like hey this guy is like fucking turning it around i mean A lot of it, I think, was even in, and it's so long ago now, but like even it started with even the way you were talking about yourself. And then um, seeing that you were starting to have some level of trust in me, like as opposed to just being infatuated with me, because you clearly were, like you were starting to trust me and open up to me more. And then it felt like we were able to have open and honest conversations about where I was. Cause emotionally things were still very complicated for me, um, with having just been like gotten out of a relationship 
and like all of the things that I still hadn't processed from the relationships before that, like you were okay with me taking the time that I needed, which prior to that you hadn't been. Mm -hmm. And like being okay with me not being like, okay, let's move in together and get married like three weeks after that. Even though you might have started writing your vows then. Um, yeah, yeah. As soon as we started dating, I started writing my vows. And then I would just edit them. And they look nothing like what I wrote four years ago. But a lot of the same, a lot of that same energy. Same energy. Same energy. Um, how, this, I, this is a selfish question because I have something to branch off from this. But like, how nervous were you to introduce me to your parents? Um, I do admit that I felt like I had to put a bit of a spin on it. Go on that. <laughs> um, cause you know, we got college educated. That's a plus Brown. Hmm. We'll see. Um, Oh, call center job. Yeah, that's going to be a no from them. So how can I spin this? So I'm like, oh, he deals with insurance counseling, benefits counseling, insurance. You know about insurance, dad. Yep. And then mostly just focused on how great you thought I was. Yep. So here's the thing. Um, I... And then I also left out about, you know, um, how far left you lean. Oh yeah. I feel like you left a lot of that out. Like, uh, he, he is the, the leftist, leftist to ever leftist. Uh, and also he has two kids. I feel like you probably left that part out. I will know because before I hard launched, um, I discussed you as my friend and I would talk to my father about hypothetical legal questions involving your children. Okay. So they knew about that and they could tell from where it was going. They, they're not stupid. <laughs> they knew where it was going. This is my cute friend with two kids. And also we be fucking, oh yes, we do be fucking. Well, um, I don't acknowledge that that exists to them. You know, uh, much like your mother tried to say, um, we're just going to have an immaculate conception. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. That's what, see, and this is a side note, but I was talking with my coworkers about like how stupid I think like the garter toss is. Like we're supposed to pretend that like after we leave this ceremony, Amy and I are going to consummate the marriage and we're going to have sex for the first time as a married couple. But like two hours ago, I was up her skirt pulling her garter off her leg. Like, did we, wedding wedding traditions are so fucking weird. Hey, we watched that Barely Syrian episode it's together. It's so fucking weird. Anyway, um, what other things were you nervous about? I mean, just... Were I, you nervous? So you had talked as like, this is my friend. Were you, were you nervous to be like, oh, and this guy I've been talking about is just my friend. Actually, we're dating. I mean... They've witnessed that because, like, the person before you was my friend for, like, actually just my friend for a solid six to eight months before we started dating. We became, like, bestest buddies before that. 
and he was dating somebody else but like yeah i'm i'm sure they're not stupid and that they knew that i liked him before that mm-hmm. i i was nervous to i'm it's been years now since i met them and i'm still i'm still afraid of your parents um i don't know if it's the I don't know if it's the backgrounds that they both have professionally, one of them being like a medical professional, one of them being an attorney. I don't know if it is the fact that you, of course there's Jordan, but he's 12 years older than you. And he, because he he lived with his mother, his environment growing up was very, very different than mine. For sure. And Sherry, you are her only child, only daughter. I think that, and maybe this is just me making it up. I think that Steve and Sherry, and I would say probably more Sherry than Steve, had this idea that like, and maybe, like I said, maybe it's just like the only child and maybe maybe everyone's like this. Maybe like when, when Kingston and Kenta are older, like I'm going to look at any man or woman that they date and I'm going to say like, no, that person is trash. That person's not good enough to date my boy, you know? I mean, you're totally going to do that. Probably. So maybe maybe every parent is like this, but I, I, from, I, and maybe I made this up myself in my own head because I wasn't, I didn't have the self-esteem, especially professionally until I changed jobs. But like when I met them, I wasn't working the best job. I wasn't working like where I wanted, my, my end goal, where I wanted to be. Um, and I was very nervous that they were going to think like, this fucking call center loser with brown skin and leftist ideals is not good enough for our Amy. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was worried about that too. But because I knew that with enough encouragement and like helping you build that self-esteem back up, you would get to a place where like, see Steve and Sherry, I can do this. I got this. I can be a like foundational member of this community. Yeah. And honestly, I think moving to Pella helped with a lot of that self-esteem. Obviously my first job in Pella did not end the way that anyone would have liked it. Any of us would have liked it. But being in a being in a smaller community akin to the one that I grew up in, where my grandfather was like a pillar of the community, um, moving to a smaller community and having, I felt like I could have a bigger impact, um, especially where I was working before. And then now where I work, like, am I interacting with actual members of the community as much? No, but do I have an extremely strong relationship with one of the biggest employers in not just the town, but the entire state? Yeah. And like to have that, to have that level of responsibility in my, in my professional life, like I have to be, like I have to be on it like every day. And it gives you something to be proud of more than just yeah. like, oh yeah, I sold someone a car. Like, yes, that's something to be proud of, but it doesn't... It's... This job um, gives me the same pride that I had with 
selling cards because mm-hmm. every once in a while you would either see and especially with mini coopers because they're so like they're all so different and they're all so unique so like no offense to lexus but like there's a fucking billion of them sold every year by willis that like it's hard to discern one random eminent white pearl rx350 from another you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but with minis everyone customizes them so much that like when you see it on the road you're like oh that's bob smith's mini and you know it because it's like it's the black one with the red stripe and like the numbers on the side or whatever and you miss your little one oh my god i miss it so much um but like if i ever see that car out and about like i'm gonna be like that's that's the one you know like they're so they're so unique. I get that same feeling now working in like a marketing or promotional products environment. So like where I'm out in the wild and I see a fucking jacket that I know that I helped design, I'm like I did that. I fucking did that. Like that's my baby. Like today, for example, the day that we're recording this, um I designed myself 10 different baseball cap designs um, for my client. And they came in today and I got to like, I've seen paper proofs. I've seen the drawings, but like to actually see the physical cap and be like, this is what I fucking created. Like I'm an emotional baby to begin with. (laughs) Um, But like, I'm like, those are my, these are my babies. Like I made them. Um, And so there is that emotional high, but then at the same time, you send them out to your point of contact for this client and then they look at them and they're like, these fucking suck and no one would ever wear it. And then you're like, oh yeah, that's right. I can be humbled very quickly. Do you think that, I think I've asked you this question a thousand times and you can interpret it as however you want, whether that's emotionally, whether that's professionally. Um, Do you think that what you had in mind as far as like financial goals and emotional stability, do you think that what I bring to the table 11 days before we're, we're scheduled to get married, do you think that that, that I, I match the vision for what you had uh, for a husband, like when you were, the killers when you were young. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I would say that when I was like little, I was definitely thinking the um, tall, pale, dark hair with an advanced degree. Um, but I also have learned, much like everything else in life, what's right for you comes to you whether you think it's what you want or not. And I don't know, I guess as far as like professionally and everything, I, I'm i just interested in watching you grow. And I think that that's part of like what being married is all about is that like we're growing together. What do you mean? I mean, like, it's not like our relationship stops getting any closer because we signed a piece of paper. It's not like we aren't going to work on our emotional closeness. We're, we're not going to stop working on 
raising the three humans that already hang out in our house every other weekend, let alone the one that will probably show up here in a few years. Yeah. We're not going to stop having our own career dreams and goals and things that we want to do. We're not going to stop wanting to go on really nice vacations and explore the world because we both have so many places that we want to see before we die. Mm -hmm. And each one of those things and each of those places, they bring something new to us and make us more than what we were before, make us better. And um, there may be some uh, Buddhist words incorporated into my vows that speak to some of that, but you know, you'll have to wait. Let's two fucking weeks go to find out. Um, the night that we got engaged, on a scale of one to ten, ten being, yeah, there's no nothing else possibly could have happened that night. One being, oh, I had no idea. Where were you on the scale of one to 10 in knowing that you were going to get proposed to that night? 12. Jesus. Okay, great. Cool. Love that for you. <laughs> well, because you, you remember that originally your plan was to propose to me in Chicago, but then I guessed that. Yeah. So then you're like, I'm absolutely going to do something that she will not predict. So then every time I had to play clueless and bite my tongue. Because, oh, um, Emma, a month in advance is telling me to be here at this spot on this day at this time, and we're going to dress up and look fancy. That doesn't sound very Emma-like. And then on top of that, um, my mother mysteriously decides that they're coming into town. See. And then on top of that, then I say, well, I already have plans with Emma my parents are like, okay, we'll drive you into Des Moines and then we're going to go do our own thing. And I'm like, that's suspicious. Like all of those things together. Yeah. I was I, like, hmm. Here's, here's the thing. And, and Sherry's going to hate this because like she wanted be, to be involved, obviously, because the original plan was to do it like with your family, right? At, at this restaurant in Chicago. And then you guessed it. And I was like, well, fuck, I can't do it now, you know, uh, there because she already knows what's happening. Originally, what I wanted was just to, and it would have made way more sense than it would have saved me from driving all the way out to Rockford, Illinois and picking up Lauren and bringing her back if I just had your parents bring her out. But my original plan when I first, when when Chicago got nixed and- Sorry. No, it's okay. When Chicago got, got nixed, I was like, we have to do it at the Republic. That's our favorite place in the world in Des Moines. And like- I just want it to be, I, I just wanted it to be Jules, Lauren, and Emma. Those three people have never been in the same building at the same time, ever, to my knowledge. No, Lauren had never met either of them before Right. That. So I was like, these are her three best friends. I want to surprise her with these three best friends. And that's it. And then my mother wanted to be a part of it. And like everyone at work wanted to be a part of it. And all of these other people that we invited, like wanted to be a, a part of this proposal. And I said, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to make everyone happy. I'm going to do it my way. And my way is I am proposing in front of Amy with the three people in the world besides myself, because I'm selfish, besides myself that she is the most comfortable with. And that is Emma, that is Jules, and that is Lauren. 
Christina as well, but you weren't working that weekend. So Christina was on call. She probably couldn't make it anyway. Right. Like that's the worst part about having um, one of your besties be um, the person who's always working when you're not working and vice versa. Yeah. Because we never get to hang out when not, when neither of us are on call except yeah. for literally next weekend. Yeah. And so I was like, not that I, my boss is bitter about that. At all. I want, <laughs> I want the proposal to be in front of those three people. And then if everyone else wants to come and celebrate afterwards, that's fine. But the actual proposal, when I get down on one knee and I present a ring to you and I put it on your finger and I ask you to be my wife, and I say, that sounds pretty dope. <laughs> that is going to be just those three people. That's all I want there at the time. I don't know if I effectively communicated that with everyone. Because when a lot of people, um, your mother specifically, showed up and then you were like, look at this fucking ring. Look at it. Look at my left hand. I've never seen more rage. Well, I've never seen more rage in your mother's eyes than when she realized that she was just there to celebrate the fact that you're engaged and she wasn't actually there to see the question get asked. Um, And then of course there was that awkward conversation afterwards where she was like, you have to trust us. And I was like, okay, whatever. But it worked out the way that I wanted it. And the way that I wanted it was after the original plan in Chicago got canceled I wanted to surprise you with these fucking three people that have never been in in the same room. And that's the way I wanted it. And that's the way that it it happened. Um, Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. So, um, so you knew that it was happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't know which of the rings that I had sent you that um, you ended up picking though. Um, So, was there a specific, um, did you just like the, the way that it looked or was there a, a, a specific um, like symbolism to what you chose for your engagement ring? Um, no, but like most um, girls, I have had a Pinterest board going for like 10 years now. Um, so I knew from looking at, you know, hundreds of wedding ring pictures that oval was my favorite like shape. Otherwise, it would have been square, but um, I didn't want to match Tori's ring perfectly because that would be weird. Um, besides, her fingers are much more long and beautiful than mine. Um, and then I, I also love your little sausage hands. Shut up. Um, I also really liked either a halo or a um like shiny encrusted band, but both would probably be too much. And so. Um, then I just thought this one was like really cool looking and unique despite still being relatively simple. I like the fact that it was simple. Um, I think that sometimes when you get too much bling, it looks really gaudy and it almost looks fake because it's like, it's so big. It's like, like, I can't be a real diamond. It's too fucking big. Or it, or it, like somebody mu- will try to make it look bigger by adding like three halos around a right. relatively small stone to make it look like it's six carats. And so that was like the, that was a concern that I had when we went and got the wedding band. Um, I was like, oh, fuck. 
Now we're gonna add something that has so much bling and it's gonna look really gaudy. And I think what you what you chose, like it still looks really classy and it doesn't take away from this big ass rock that you have in the middle of your engagement ring. Well bam. So um that I spent my my life savings on. So let me go let me go back to the proposal. Was it was how you were proposed to, like what you had in mind for how you wanted to be proposed to? I mean, I feel like it wasn't nearly as dramatic as I was expecting it to be, but maybe that's because I was expecting it to happen because we were both just kind of like, Hey, what's up? We doing this? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, which I mean is so on brand for us anyway. I wrote you a cute little note and it was like, I want, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. It's and still then, in our house somewhere, I think. And then I was like, and then I couldn't, for whatever reason, um, get the words, will you marry me out? So I wish you were reading it. And then you looked at me and then you looked back at the card and then you looked at me again. And I was like, uh, so do you want to? And then you were like, that'd be dope. And then I replied, sick. Um, yeah, which is the most Amy and Austin conversation of all time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it might not have been what you, it might not have been what you always dreamed of, but it's definitely, it was the most on brand way of proposing that I could think of. Um, and also, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to make more than make up for it. The lack of drama uh, during the proposal with my uh, my giant three-minute-long bows where I just spill my heart out in front of our closest friends and family. Lord of the Rings Extended Edition? Not quite that long, but I thought, well, I, I thought three minutes was really fucking long. Considering we were like, how long do we want the, the ceremony to be? And we were like, I don't know, like 20, 30 minutes. So then three minutes of a 30-minute ceremony 10 percent of the entire ceremony is me telling you how much i love you in front of all of our closest friends and family so when you break it down like that it's a long speech it is indeed uh the wedding the planning process um where we decided to have the wedding the colors uh the people that are that are coming is it everything that you envisioned for your wedding um, I mean, honestly, I originally You're like, no, because there was a white man at the altar with me in my dreams. Oh, shut up. Um, I mean, like you and I went, you went with us to the surety. Yes. Mm-mm. No, I've never been there. Well, here's the thing is that it's this very, very beautiful art deco building. And I think, you know, that I, I love me some art deco. Um, and so, like, that was, like, my dream aesthetic. And then reality hit me in the form of dollar signs. Well, I did not go with you to the surety. All I remember is your mother telling me that we can't get married at the surety because there's too many homeless, uh, homeless people around and your grandmother would have a heart attack. That's all I remember about the surety. I mean... There were less homeless people there than you would probably find on any public street in Rockford. So I'm well, 
And also, how many times have we been to Chicago together? We tend to turn a blind eye to the problems that are in our backyard. But anyways, it was gorgeous, but it was also going to be like $100 a person, not including the venue. And she's like, so do you want to have like a 50 person wedding or do you want to think of something else? Mm -hmm. And then I had originally like discounted the idea of the opera house because I'm like, ew, I don't want to get married in like little small town Pella. I want to be in Des Moines. Um, And then I went inside and I'm like, this, this meets the fancy bit, fancy bitch vibes, but in a different way. It's, it's a charming, it is a charming building. Right. And um, the way that they've done the third floor bridal suite and just the the theater itself, um, I feel <laughs> I, I kind of feel bad for the people that are coming to to be guests at our wedding uh, instead of members of the wedding party Cause they because they don't get to see all the other cool stuff. No, no, no. Well, that too, but the feeling. And maybe it's just like the like the performer in me because I loved being on stage when I was in like high school musicals and choirs and even when I did it in college. Like I loved being on stage. But there's something about that building that when you are when you walk in and you're facing the stage, you don't you don't get to see truly like how beautiful that building is until you're standing on stage and you see the entire building. Like you see the balcony and you see this, like the ceiling and all of the art. And like, so I feel, I kind of feel bad for the people that are coming like as guests because the people that are in the wedding party and get to be on stage, like they get to look out over this like incredible building. Um, And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that, that we're getting married. Like, in the theater on the stage because it is just it's gorgeous and i know that chris is going to work his magic and by the time this comes out he will have already worked his magic um just taking the the world's most beautiful couple um in the world's most beautiful building um or pella's most beautiful building anyway and and making it look like it was just like like a, a fairy tale um the honeymoon uh, by the time this comes out, we will not have been on our honeymoon yet. No. Uh, this trip to Miami and Key Largo, is that everything that you envisioned for your honeymoon? I mean, obviously we went through several renditions of what we were going to do for our honeymoon. Yeah. But I'm like, the more I have had to change our plans because, you know, things have come up, Um, I feel like... Kind of like what you thought when I told you about like the way we've had to change plans before the other two or three times that we like had to think about, okay, how are we going to do this? And that every time it seems to actually get more exciting because we get to do even more stuff than we mm-hmm. thought we were going to do before. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I would have loved the idea of Costa Rica, but I feel like we probably would have just been hanging out on a beach and not that that's not incredible, because hanging out on a beach is pretty incredible. So I've heard. Um, but I love the idea that we're, we are some national park love and ass bitches. And the fact that we get to visit two unbelievable national parks in Southern Florida, um, 
the fact that we get to visit like I mean I've never been there from from everything I've heard like one of America's like great great cities in Miami um and and kind of get that that crazy Miami environment but also this very chilled laid back Key Largo environment like it really is I it feels like it's kind of the best of both worlds right definitely um, so yeah I'm very very excited um getting ready to wrap this up I'm going to ask you and then you can ask me whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's, I would like to think that there's been a lot of uh, professional, obviously uh, growth mm-hmm. since I met you, a lot of emotional growth. Um, what are, what are the things that you would like to see me continue to work on in the first year of our marriage? I mean, we talk about this all the time, but I feel like, one of the things that you struggle the most with is patience and like self-regulating because like it's really easy for you to get overstimulated and then you just kind of explode a little bit. And so um, working on acknowledging that in yourself first and then like finding a way to express that um, in a more constructive way instead of just you know yelling at it or being grumpy i feel like i feel like people are listening to this and they're like wow he screams at his wife a lot he doesn't i don't even think i i really don't even think i raise my voice no but i'm usually not the reason well there's that too though sometimes you overstimulate me so um, the other thing that I'm going to ask is that we continue to work on not having the volume on the phone and the volume on the TV at the same time because it drives me insane. Uh, I want you to work on not having an outdoor voice conversation uh, six inches from my face when we're trying to fall asleep. Listen, I just get really excited to talk to you at the end of the day. Same, same. I do. What, um, what are things that, so obviously like we talked about, like things have improved, gotten better, uh, things have been worked on. What was, what were things that you think that I brought to this relationship that you were like, wow, he's really fucking good at that. Like right away. Um, I would say that like you are, really good at letting out like those positive emotions but then like sometimes you don't always share how you're feeling when it's the negative stuff because you don't want to burden people with that explain it's difficult to do that because i'm only in my work am i a detail person (laughs) and then the rest of (laughs) that's why i'm forcing it out of you you will tell me you love me a thousand times a day till the cows come home. You will tell your children a thousand times a day, hey, you know something? You love me? <laughs> yeah, they hate it. Um, But sometimes, like even just recently, you're like, wow, I've been feeling really agitated and upset for no reason. It's been bothering me for like a week. But you didn't tell me until it had been a week. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 
I understand. I understand what you mean. Yeah. I just, yeah, I think, I think a lot of that comes from like what you said, like I overstimulate you and I don't want to like, I have this, I have this way about me where if I start talking about things that bother me, then it will go on forever. It will be like, this bothers me. Oh, and another thing. And also this thing. And then it True. just never stops. Because that was a thing a lot at the beginning of our relationship where you would be upset about one thing and then you're like, and I'm just your ethnic accessory. Yeah. But you have to understand, um, while I kind of use that as a joke, like I, I, and I've talked about this on the podcast, like especially in, You've high, been that in way. high school, yeah. I have been the, I'm only sleeping with you so people know, so either either good or bad, uh, the good, so like people know that like I'm not racist, like I'm sleeping with you, so people know that like I I support ethnic minorities and I am not a racist person, or it is like the negative, which is like, hey, my father is like a racist person and I have daddy issues, so I'm going to sleep with you. And he's going to find out about it. And he's going to be really mad. And at the time, I didn't care because doesn't matter had sex. Um, but now looking back, like, that's that's really shitty. Um, but That was your villain era? Yeah, that, yeah, that was my villain origin story. I'm like, people are using me to make their daddies mad. What questions do you have for me? <laughs> when we're in pharmacy school, um, that's how you're supposed to, after you're done talking to a patient, that's what you're supposed to say every single time. Oh, I know. Because every fucking pharmacist I've ever met. What questions do you have? None. None. I know how to pop a pill, lady. Yeah, well, I mean, you did ask me, which medication should I take before my appointment tomorrow? Well, because you were telling me that I, I wasn't allowed to. So <laughs> what questions do you have for me? What questions do I have for you? What is your favorite part of my personality? Oh, um, the uh, boobs. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, my favorite part of your personality um everyone everyone i know that knows you really well like there's a lot of people that i know that like some people i'll, I'll even use myself as an example there's a lot of people that fucking hate me and there's a lot of people that like love everything i have to say and then there's a few people that are like in the middle, right? The thing I love about you is that like everyone that knows you fucking loves you. There's no like, no one half asses their emotions about you. Like no one's like, yeah, Amy's okay. It is like, I fucking love Amy. Like I dated a lot of girls and like my family will... My family will tolerate them because they're dating me. 
let's be completely honest, um, for more reasons than one, and some of them weren't even her fault, my family did not like Kaylee at all. Um, they did not, they weren't really big fans of like, uh, of Carrie. And then like, they liked Kristen because she was like this, like all American fucking like Catholic schoolgirl. But my, my, most of my family did. My grandfather thought she was dumb, dumb. as shit. <laughs> um, and then, and then you, I'm like, so what do you, what do you think about Amy? And they're like, I love Amy. And I'm like, okay, but what do you really think about her? And like, no, 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 I'm serious. Like I, I genuinely enjoy Amy. Um, I think <laughs> this is going to sound so bad because she listens to the podcast. I think Kaylee did you a lot of favors by being not that great um, with my family. But I mean, Kaylee's worked on a lot of stuff too, though. Right. I just, the thing about Kaylee, when we were at family functions, is she kind of like secluded herself in her own little corner and she would be on her phone or she would have a book and she would just kind of like read her book or be on her phone and then like she would pop her head up and like make sure that Kingston wasn't getting into trouble and that she would go back to her book and she kind of like secluded herself. And the thing that I love about you and the thing that my family loves about you is that like when my family's here, like you want to watch TV with them or you want to share stories with them or you want to play a board game with them or you want to play cards or um, you want to be like all around the same table or in the same room when we're eating and you want to converse with them and like you want to actually get to know my grandma and that means like the world to her because like oh stop you're gonna make me cry because like talking about grandma because <laughs> like previous previous relationships kaylee being like the one big example is like kaylee didn't take the time to like want to get to know my uncle trent or like my um my grandma and like even before my sister like started in with her shit again and decided that she didn't want anything to do with her family. Like you made a concerted effort to like befriend her and like get to know her. And like my sister hates everyone I date because it's an extension of the fact that she hates everything there is to hate about me. And so for her to be like, I fucking hate you, but like, She's that, all right, though. That girl you're dating, she's pretty dope. Like, that meant a lot to me as well. Um, so, yeah, the thing I like about your personality, to, this is long-winded, but the thing that I like most about your personality is that, like, everyone seems to just genuinely adore you. Um, and it's 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 not because, like, you go out of your way to to, like, I want to be loved and I have to like put on this fake weird persona like some people do because like I want to be liked. It's just, I'm just going to be me and for some reason, whatever reason, like people really enjoy it. Like people really truly enjoy being around you. I would like to thank Steve for that. Yeah. Steve's the fucking, Steve's the shit. Steve is the shit. I was just telling people at work like about like, your mother and your father like do you like do you, you like your in-laws and i was like yeah they're dope and uh they're like so what about like her father does he like you and i'm like i don't know if he likes me but like we get along fine he just pops in he watches this fucking discovery channel like he's the man he's the man i love steve i don't know if he likes me 
I don't know if like if I wasn't dating his daughter, I don't think like he would want to be my friend, but I think he tolerates me fine. <laughs> what are the questions you? I mean, Steve um plays it close to the chest. Yeah. So someday I'm gonna get Steve to tell me he loves me. I mean, you got it to work with your previous boss. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of let that one slip. And it was more of like a, I love you guys, but it's time to go home. It was like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I want Steve to look me in the windows of my soul and tell me, Austin, I love you. I think he will die before that happens. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, other questions I have for you. What are you most looking forward to together? Like in the 10-year plan. Ooh, 10-year plan? I'm going to say this in the crudest way possible because it's the only way that I can express how excited I am. Um, I am going to put a baby in you so hard, um, and I'm so excited for it. Uh, that's the that's the fuckboy answer. The real answer is like, you are unbelievable with my children. Um, and if you are half as good of a biological mother of my future child that we have together, as you are a stepmother to the children I already have, like you're going to be the best fucking mother ever. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm most looking forward to. Like I, (laughs) this sounds shitty again, cause she listens to the show. I stumbled into my first child with Kaylee. I stumbled into to Kingston with Kaylee. We tried to make it work and we were like, you know what? We're together and only like only childs are weird. No offense. Rude. No offense. Rude. Um you have a brother. You're not I mean, boy. kind of. But um technically I'm an only child if you don't count half siblings. Um but but I never lived with my ass. We were we were like, you know what? Like and and we had moved to Ralston and there's no one that lives in Ralston. So we were like, if we're gonna stay here, and our plan at that time was we're gonna buy a house and we're gonna like build a family in this really, really small community. Um, he's not gonna have a whole lot of friends in his hometown. Like we want him to grow up with a friend. And so I stumbled into my first kid with Kaylee um, and we decided to have a second kid together, but I, I, I get to do it the quote unquote right way where it's like, I date someone and we buy a house together and we get married and we're together and we really grow together and get to know each other. And then we have children and like everything that has built upon itself and everything that I know about you now, like I, I can't think of anyone else that like would be a better mother figure than you so I'm super excited to like grow a cute little family with you because like I said, like you're awesome with the two kids that you sort of 
inherited from dating this fucking idiot that had premarital sex and, you know, made two little dipshits. And uh, <laughs> and they, they, they love you. Um, most days, probably more than they love their father. Um, and you're incredible and patient and kind and understanding with them. Um, hey. And you're gorgeous. So I imagine that our kids are going to be super cute. Super cute. Um, yeah, that's what I'm most excited about. And then also, you know, all the vacations and travels and all of that. But the thing that I'm most excited about is to watch you raise your own, a child of your own, because you're going to be incredible at it. And then you can go see uh, Dr. Aaron Smith for a vasectomy. Yeah, one and done. <laughs> one and done. Because I don't want to be on birth control forever. Yeah. Doesn't sound like a great plan to be. No, it doesn't. Um, what are you most excited about? Again, this will come out the day after our wedding, so it'll have already happened, but 11 days out from our wedding, what are you most excited about for that day? For that day, um, as much as I love you, I think the father-daughter dance is going to be so cute. Oh, that is not where I thought you were going. That is not where I thought you were going at all. No. I thought you were going to be like, listen, I love you, but I am so fucking excited to see Julie's cousin. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, Devon is a wonderful human being. But. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's gonna be, it's gonna be special. I'm, I'm excited. So it is. I'm excited to. Have you, ever, have you ever danced with Steve before? Not in a very long time. Not since I was like eight, probably. Oh. He's a little nervous that um, the gonna... song's a little too jazzy. Oh, but I'm like, it's short, and you know, you can always do like half speed. It's the Sinatra song, right? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm like, Dad, I think it's like 80 beats per minute. We can do this. My grandmother is not much of a dancer, and admittedly, neither am I, other than some sick show choir stuff I picked up in like 07. Um, so she's pretty nervous as well. But I mean, hey, you just got to sway. Yeah. Like at least Steve unlike my mother, can find the beat. Is your mother the kind that claps on off beat? Yep. Her mom cannot clap on beat either. To save save their lives, they cannot do it. What are, um, what are you, I guess I didn't ask you this. This will be the last question. I'm going to piggyback off you. Um, what are you most looking forward to? What's in, what's in your 10-year plan that you're most looking forward to? You're like fucking getting divorced. Uh, no. Fucking getting rid of you. Absolutely not. We are, we already went over this. Fucking murdering you and making it look like an accident. There was a really big eye roll there. Um, (laughs) I can't even right now. (laughs) Um, shoot. I don't know, man. Um, so thankfully having had to deal 
recently with, you know, having a lot of kids in the hospital that were really upset. <laughs> that has put me off the baby fever a little bit. But uh, yeah, I want to be a girl mom, which apparently everyone thinks I'm crazy for, but like I can handle emotions more than I can handle um, the bulldozer effect. Oh, Kenta? I mean, Callan before him was a lot for me too. Yeah. But it happens and I deal with it and it's fine. See, I I just want to I just want to have a kid with you and then if we have a boy, are you going to be upset? I won't be upset. I will probably um have the same plan as my mother and um if we have a boy, try one more time for a girl and then call it quits. That's so many children. I mean, one could hypothetically say three is so many children. But three is so many children. That's why I only had two. She's the one that had the third one. And then I fell in love with them the day I met him. Exactly. He's I'm, a real cute. This is shitty to say, but he's the nicest one out of the three. He's the one that he, out of the three, the one that's not biologically mine happens to love me the most. My other two kids are like, yeah, whatever. He's our dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean. We love him because we have to. Carrick loves me because he wants to. There was that period of like a year and a half where, you know, they only had one parental figure. Yeah, that's true. Not my fault. There were lots of things going on. Yeah. Last question. You get one last question. Oh, okay. Hmm. I don't know what to hit you with because, I mean, we've talked about a lot. A toaster, a baseball bat, a soldering iron, a crowbar, a car. I'm so confused. <laughs> so I don't know what to hit you with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That was like one of the ugliest laughs I've done in a while. Uh-huh. Keeping that in. I was going to cut all of that, but now I'm keeping it in. God. Damn it. Who do you think is going to cry the hardest? Well, the the one person that I n- knew undeniably was going to cry the hardest at our wedding. Um, we uninvited. Um, you know what would be interesting because he is a giant emotional dude. It would be really funny if Shane ended up crying harder than anyone else there. <laughs> um, but realistically, probably, I don't know. No, my grandma doesn't really cry. I was going to say my grandma. I don't think she doesn't really cry. I don't know. Probably me, honestly. I will cry a lot. I I will cry a lot. You have to understand, everything that I've been through romantically has led up to this moment. Has been just a river of shit. Um, And I always said that if the way... If if the relationship that I had with the 
redheaded girl that destroyed all of my trust in women that led me to move to Des Moines. If that relationship and all of those feelings were real and we could actually have like serious conversations about how she actually felt about me and they were like healthy conversations, like we never fought, never fought once. We never really had much arguments either. If all of that was legitimate and she wasn't cheating on me behind my back and considering that I was a failure, if all of that was real, it would be like the perfect relationship. And then, but I was like, it wasn't real. So those types of relationships don't exist. And then I met you and we don't really argue. I don't, I can't think of one time that like we've, we've never gotten like a shouting match. We've never really raised our voices at each other. We've, I mean, obviously never been like physical with each other. And then we have these very adult conversations about like, here are the things that you do that I don't like. Here are the things that we both need to work on. Here are the things that I would like to see you get better at. We have those serious conversations. And so like. In an outdoor volume while we're trying to fall asleep. (laughs) All of the, um, all of the like, I would, this would be the perfect relationship, but it's not real you you were the person that made me realize like oh that can happen like that can be real um and i'm not saying that like it's the perfect relationship there's a lot of things that we need to work on and I, i'll never as as good as it is i will never consider this relationship it, like, perfect done, i don't, don't want i don't right. want it to be perfect i want to continue to improve and i want i want our relationship tomorrow to be way better than it was today. And then I want it to be better the day after that and the day after that. And I want, I want all of our friends and family to be super jealous of what we have. And I want my children to, to look at like us and be like, fuck, like I've never seen anyone I've never seen a man love a woman more than my father loves my stepmother. Um, And like, and it's all because of like, I, I totally gave up on the idea of like this, these very real feelings and this, this relationship, like it can't happen. Like it's, it's fake. Like you have to lie to be happy. Cause that's really something that you struggled with a lot at first is like the second we even came close to an argument, like yeah, you were ready to walk away because yeah. you were expecting it to like turn to shit yeah. instead of like having a mature conversation about it. Yeah. So I've always said like, this is the, these things that I want in a relationship, but like I can never have them because they don't exist in relationships because I had it in a relationship before. And then behind closed doors like that's not really what was going on so i was like oh well in order to be quote unquote happy like you have to fake it like it's not real and then i get in this relationship with you and like very very skeptical at the beginning and now we're fucking four years in and i'm like well shit right you're still asking me if i'm playing the long con yeah this is a very expensive long con well you know 
you know? I feel like the, the higher you build me up, the harder I crash when you eventually tear me down. But it hasn't happened yet. So, yeah. That's not I in just, the 10-year plan or the 20-year plan or the 30-year plan even. You think I'll still be here in 30 years? Bitch, you better be. You're going to take care of this diabetes. <laughs> I uh, I had a lot of, I had a lot of trust issues. Um, and I probably still do, but I'm definitely working on them. But I had a lot of trust issues and the whole whole idea of a romantic partnership um and even when we got into this relationship i'm like this is this is the person that i've always wanted but like this will not last because i will fuck it up somehow i always do um and to your credit i think that the things that would have fucked up relationships in the past you were just like okay that was shitty. Um, let's talk about why that happened and we're going to work to make sure it never happens again. Mm-hmm. And I've never had that. Um, I don't even know if I've really had that in, in many friendships. Um, I know that I've been really shitty with Trevor a couple of times and Trevor's just like, let's talk about uh, why that was the dumbest fucking thing you've ever done. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to move past it. And that's like, that's and Dustin as well. Um, I did a really stupid fucking thing right before uh, Dustin got engaged that led me to basically being like a shoe in for his best man to um, not being in the wedding party at all. And then we kind of made up right before the wedding and I ended up like being at the wedding. But those are the two that I could think of that like my friendships is like, hey, like uh, that was stupid. That was really fucking stupid. Um, And we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. And like, I feel like as much as I I just head over heels in love with you, um, you're you're legitimately my best friend as well, and so I feel like we can have these conversations like friends do, where you're just like, okay, um, for a moment there, you were a fucking dipshit, uh, and I'm gonna tell you why, and then we're gonna make sure that doesn't ever happen <laughs> again, and, um. Again, to your credit, to like have the balls to be like to have those conversations um, with a significant other. Uh, I'm sure that can't be easy for you. Um, but the fact that you do it and you don't just immediately give up on this relationship means the fucking world to me. I love you. I love you.